Alright, thank you for tuning into this episode of MTG Under the Hood. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Joe. And today, this episode is all about bragging and tooting our own horn. That's right, we're covering the boast mechanic in this one. So, Joe, you've been working on anything fun this week? Always working on something fun every single week. This particular deck has actually been in the works for a long time. It's a landfall deck. I've always been opposed to landfall. I never really liked the the mechanic, and I know that may sound a little weird, but I just I never have. I always thought it was kind of a little broken and getting rewarded for something that you're just supposed to do in order to play the game. But once Zendikar Rising came out and Omnath Locus of Creation was revealed, I happened to pull one. I said, okay, I think we can go ahead and make a landfall deck. I found a commander that I would like to actually use. So I've been working on this deck for several months now. It's almost done. I just need some board wipes put in, and uh, I need to get the, the mana base all established. But aside from that, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be fun. Chris, what are you working on? So our play group, we uh, decided to do you know change it up a little bit and build Brawl decks. Instead, but instead of doing the normal brawl with it being standard format we decided to go back a little bit farther just to open it up a little bit for creativity purposes and everything um and i had a bunch of chandra cards so i so i'm building a brawl deck that's headed by uh, a card that we'll be talking about later uh Bergy, god of storytelling and it is chandra tribal there is i think 10 or so chandra planeswalker cards in it well, um, M20 was the, the core set of Chandra, so... And so, once I play this a little bit, I'm going to be expanding it a little bit more, and nice. I'm going to make it into a full-fledged commander deck down the road, and it's going to be pretty much mono-red super friends, like with, so that way I can have Sarkins, um, Chandra's, and I even have a Tybalt or two, so... He's going to be in there, but mostly for laughing stock, be the laughing stock, and uh, just for the lulls because Tybalt is Tybalt. But I've been having a lot of fun with that just because I'm not a very big fan of Super Friends. Like, mm-hmm. I like playing a little bit, doing it a little bit. It's just that it's there is a very high potential when playing Super Friends to just play Solitaire. Could be, depending on how you make the deck, yeah. And if you have all of them out, then it's you're trying to keep track of all of the different... Right. You know, all the different interactions and everything. But this one I'm actually happy with because it's mono-red. I have it as, like, a Chandra tribal deck, but I also stuck with the red deck win theme. Yeah. So there's decent amount of burn in it there's okay stuff like that like it's a red deck wind shell that's been modified and okay. i i'm actually really enjoying it good 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 let's talk about our words to live by for this week as you know every time we bring you some information and some words that come from the magic vocabulary that you should know today we're going to talk about our color wedge names and our color shard names so I'm going to start off with the color wedges. 
The color wedges come from the color pie idea, and in deck construction, these are a specific color combination of three different colors that are so named because the combined colors found in that deck form a wedge when you look at the color pie. These wedges are often referred to by their clan name from the Khans of Tarkir block. So the first is Abzan, which is green, white, and black. Then we have Saltai, which is black, green, and blue. Teemer, which is red, green, and blue. Mardu, which is black, white, and red. And then Jeskai, which is red, white, and blue. So I'm going to take the color shards. Um, these are three color combinations that are found next to each other. And they get their names from the shards of Alara block. Uh, the first one, uh, and little fun fact about this, um, if you go around the uh, color pie, the names of the shards are in alphabetical order. Uh, and those are Bant as uh, white, blue, green, Esper as white, blue, black, Grixis as blue, black, red, Jund as in uh, red, green, black, and Naya as white, green, red. And now let's get on to the fun, the show focus of Boast. So Boast originally appeared in uh, the Kaldheim set and it's still too early to see how useful it is as a whole, but it has shown promise in limited, but not a specific type of deck uh, has been uh, featured as the main focus. Joe, what are the rules? All right, here we go. Coming at you with the rules again. So, from the comprehensive rules, rule 702.141A. A boast ability is a special kind of activated ability. Boast, cost, colon, effect means cost, colon, effect activate this ability only if this creature attacked this turn and only once each turn. Rule 702.141b. Effects may refer to boast abilities. If an effect refers to a creature boasting, it means its boast ability being activated. We'll get more into these when we actually start talking about our featured cards. And take it away, Chris. What's our first featured card? All right. So, quick disclaimer, though. Everything we talk about uh, in this episode uh, is relevant at time of recording. If something changes down the road or stuff gets eroded, uh, stuff like that, always follow the current ones. So um, so if something changes, this is why we have the information that we have. Also, uh, sorry, we're going to be, but I might butcher some of these names. Um, so the first one is Varagoth, Blood Sky Sire. He's a legendary creature, demon rogue for two and a black. And he's a 2-3 with Death Touch and Boast for one and a black. Target player searches their library for a card, then shuffles their library and puts the card puts that card on top of it. Activate this ability only if this creature attacked this turn and only once each turn. This one, I remember whenever it was spoiled, everybody wanted this one just because of his tutor ability. Yeah. The ability to search for any card and put on top of your library is just phenomenal. Oh, if you put, even though it's on a body, and creatures are the easiest thing to get rid of, mm -hmm. even though it's on a body, 
The fact that he can tutor himself um, is really nice. Plus, throw on Death Touch, and he protects himself. He has some protection. Right. Right. Well, and even if uh, he does end up getting blocked to the point that they kill him, he's taking out the creature with him. Even if it's a one-shot tutor effect, it's still really solid. It's still a tutor. Really solid, yeah. And again, when we start talking about this bow stability, you can start to see how it relates to the comp rules and why the, the, there aren't too many rules for the bow stability, but it, they are very, just very specific. Boast, cost, effect. There you go. That's what you get. So our next featured card is Dragonkin Berserker. It is a 2-2 human berserker for one colorless and a red. It has first strike. It also says boast abilities you activate cost one less to activate for each dragon you control. And then its boast ability is four colorless and a red. Create a 5-5 red dragon creature token with flying. Now, Chris, I've never actually played with this card because I haven't found a great home for it yet, but I have watched some games, uh, some limited draft events where I've seen Dragonkin Berserker hit the battlefield, and it gets nasty real quick. I mean, just the ability to put down a 5-5 red dragon with flying, there aren't too many people. You, you get... Two, two boasts out of this, and that's just solid for that card. Um, there aren't too many people that have been able to come back once a Dragon Ken Berserker is able to get going. Chris, tell us about our next feature card. All right, so the next feature card is Horizon Seeker. It's a 3-2 creature human warrior for two and a green, and it has boast one and a green. Search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. This one, it, it, it's ramp on a creature. Again, it, it's okay. I mean, it's it's a solid card for for limited, I guess. Um, I mean, it's a three two for three, so it's yeah. kind of okay. And the fact that you can ramp with it a little bit. Now, if it was, if you were able to boast and put it onto the battlefield, this thing would be bonkers. It absolutely. Would, um, this thing would be absolutely a powerhouse. It would right. be a chase common. Yeah. Um, but the fact that it puts it to your hand. It, it's okay. You know, if, I mean, it's okay for, you know, some fixing or whatever. Like, even, I mean, you're paying two to to go grab a card, but go grab a land yeah. and put it into your hand. So if you missed your land drop that turn, swing, boast, play a land. Honestly, I'm thinking about, I'm working on an Agila uh, deck, and it's going to be warrior-focused. I'll probably throw it in simply because it's a warrior. Uh, and it can boast and help me with some mana fixing. Next one we have is Usher the Fallen. This is a 2-1 white w spirit warrior creature for one white mana, and it has boast, one generic and a white, create a 1-1 white human warrior creature token. This is kind of along the same line of the Dragonkin Berserker, just a little bit lighter in, in scope. I have seen Usher the Fallen do some, do some good work. In limited games, you know, but again, outside of that, it's it's okay, you know, but you, you're not going to get too many attacks out of it since most of the time people just chump block it. Well, the thing that I like about it, you're obviously going to swing with it. It doesn't yeah. have vigilance, so you, you could potentially leave yourself open, but for two mana, you create a token to essentially go shields back, to put your shields back up. So you swing for two, you create a token so that you can block at least one. Yeah. So... 
the fact that it's an uncommon, but it's a two one for a white mana. Mm-hmm. I can kind of see where that trade off is. Yeah, but still, I mean, you're only getting one token now. If you were if you were able to get like two, well, yeah, but then they'd have to up the boast cost. And I guess part of the good thing about Usher the Fallen, you can drop a white, you know, a planes on turn one with Usher the Fallen, where most of the time in limited, your opponent is not going to be dropping a creature on turn one. Typically, they're dropping a tap land or something that'll that'll help them out a little bit more in the long run, but you can get going a little bit faster, be a little bit more aggressive if you like. Um, so, And I guess that's part of the appeal of Usher the Fallen. We have one more card we'd like to talk about as a featured card, but this one doesn't have boast in particular, but it's incredibly important to the boast mechanic. Chris, tell us about it. All right, so this is Bergie, God of Storytelling. It's a legendary creature god, 3-3, three, three, for two and a red. And it has, whenever you cast a spell, add red mana. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as steps and phases end. It also has, creatures you control can boast twice during each of your turns rather than once. So what Bergie does is it allows you to get around that once per turn. We were discussing this before the show with uh, Varagoth. If you have access to card draw, you can attack with... Uh, if you have Bergy and Varagoth out at the same time, you attack with Varagoth, and then you can immediately boast him. Mm-hmm. So you can tutor for a card, put it on top. If you have if you have like an opt in hand, you can play... You can cast your opt, draw that card, and then second main phase, you can boast again. Right home to set up your next card draw or something i mean if you don't want to go into a third color you could also drop a valica awakening hit your land your land drop during your second main exile the card get it played or if it's you just want to do a lot of damage you know make it a high mana cost card this way at the end of turn it stays exiled you know there are a lot of options for what you can do with it it really is a good one and you think two <laughs> if you can make it happen two dragon tokens would be amazing. I mean, all of a sudden you're adding 10 power to the board in one turn. That would that would frighten even your most stalwart opponent. I mean, if we're going to go that way, he's just at home in dragon in dragon tribal decks. Oh, absolutely. So if you yeah. have so if you have a bunch of dragons, even if they're um uh, what are they? Uh, like the whelps. So just the That's like, true. They count as dragons. Yeah. They're even though they're one ones, they're still dragons. They still reduce his his boast cost. So if you get a bunch of those little guys out yeah, his boast cost within a couple of turns will be down to a red, and so if you have Bergy and him out and a bunch of dragons, you're paying two red mana, right, for ten power. <laughs> That's an upside. That that is an upside indeed, indeed. Now we don't actually don't have a lot of cards with the boast ability. Only fifteen total cards came into this set with boast. We have four white cards, four black, six red, one green card, and that's it. There are no blue cards, no multicolored cards, no artifact or colorless cards with the boast ability at this time. Chris, we have all of these cards going on. Are there any featured decks that have come from this set? So there's two boast-themed decks that have kind of been... Uh, created one of them is red white and the other one is uh red blue um no red black there are no blue cards sorry (laughs) red black and the Kaldheim limited format 
competitive deck wise still has yet to emerge okay all right so if you are playing a boast deck or you're trying to get the most value out of your cards what should you do to help really improve your boast deck well if you're going to be playing with boast first and foremost boast requires for the creature to attack um so they need protection um this can be done in multitude of ways you can either um give them protection uh with hexproof or shroud uh dealing with uh, creatures you can use combat tricks to buff them varagoth ha- itself has death touch um you want to be able to make it to where they survive so that you can continue to use the boast permanent buffs um plus one plus one counters you know right make them bigger yeah even the ikoria um counters will work yeah I, I completely forgot about those until I mean, just you're, now. You're, you're talk, when you say the Ikoria counters, you're talking about all the different like keyword ability counters yeah. that came from Ikoria. The, the flying counter, the right. death touch counter, first strike, lifelink, etc., etc. Right, right, right. Like right. all the Ikoria ability counters yeah. um, would also help. Unblockable. If That's, you can make it unblockable, that would be great. Because then at that point, if you have it unblockable, you don't have to worry about creatures. You just have to worry about removal at that point. Which, yeah. if you're going to be in... A color that allows it, you can find ways around it. Right. If you're playing against Boast, what do you do, Joe? Well, if you're playing against Boast, one of the important concepts to remember is that you have to pay mana in order to activate Boast. So you're going to have you're, you're going to have to allocate resources to it. So if your opponent is playing Boast, you need to find a way to drain their resources right off the bat. In that first main phase, you need to cast something, you need to be on the offensive a little bit to make them do something to protect those creatures or to simply you got, you got to get them to tap their lands. you got to get them to run out of mana so they cannot use the boast ability or it puts them in a sticky situation where they have to make a difficult choice. All right, are they going to go ahead and protect the creature or, you know, or sacrifice one creature in order to be able to boast another? All right, so really try to drain their resources. The colors of Boast really require an aggressive strategy. So you need to control their aggressive strategy. Either you need to have great creature removal or just have bigger creatures. You know, if you can... Stompy. (laughs) Exactly. If you can just keep their creatures from attacking more than once, you're going to be okay. You also need to prioritize what creatures you want to remove. And this is an important concept when it comes to when to activate Boast. There are multiple steps within the combat phase. And remember that as soon as your creature is declared as an attacker, you can activate Boast. So you declare it, it's your turn, you've entered the combat uh, phase, you're into the declare attackers step. Declaring attackers is a turn-based action, so you get to do that first, and then as soon as you have declared all of your attackers, you pass priority between both players. Everybody, you know, both players get a chance to activate abilities, cast instants, all right? As soon as that point comes around, you can go ahead and activate boast abilities. And you can continue to activate boast abilities until the end of your turn. So you, being the opponent, need to prioritize when is the best time to remove an attacking creature. Sometimes it's during that first main phase. You don't even want to give them the chance to boast, all right? Sometimes they might want to wait a little bit later 
until maybe combat damage has been dealt or we get closer where combat damage is being dealt. So you want to give them that chance to go ahead and, and declare an attacker and then maybe you want to go ahead and knock them out later. It just depends, but you need to prioritize that and make plan for that when you're making those decisions. We talked about it a little bit briefly ahead of time, uh, that Boast really only sees play in limited draft and sealed events, and mostly it's, it's not even as a dedicated deck. Um, you know, the Boast ability is meant to supplement and support other decks. It, there just aren't enough cards to really make a dedicated Boast deck. And then on top of it, you look at all the different boast abilities. I mean, you can find some overlap that would make it work really well, but by and large, they're sort of doing their own thing. There isn't a dedicated boast deck. And outside of that, Chris, we were talking before the episode, it's it just too much resource allocation to make this feasible in anything past limited. Standard isn't going to use it. Modern isn't going to use it. Pioneer maybe Popper might get a card or two, just depends. I mean, here they could use Horizon Seeker if they really can't find any other green ramp that would work better for them. Um, well, there's <laughs> Cultivate, Kadama's Reach. Exactly. Um, there's a yes. plethora of green ramp <laughs> exactly. that's not on a body. So I don't think her, even Horizon Seeker would make it in Popper. Historic, again, there's just there's so many other options. Um, and Another thing is with it being resource um, dependent. If you go in, whenever you go into the the later formats, so like modern or uh, legacy or vintage, there's access to mass land destruction in those very easily, and people use it. Oh yeah, the easiest way to to control the battlefield is set up your board, get rid of lands. Right, and there you go. You just well, they can't boast. Let, let's also look at like Dragonkin Berserker. His boast ability costs five. Many games in from modern anywhere back by turn five they're done. The game is over. Oh yeah, <laughs> or, or certainly can be over. Even you know even if it's not many games. They the game can just be done. You may not get to boast at that point. The only thing that I can see really helping boast is Berkey because you cast a spell, you get red mana. It doesn't empty. Right. So if you're playing. So if you're playing Dragonkin Berserker and you play a Whelp and you play a Dragon Whelp for one red mana, you get a you get a red mana back. Right. So if you play a bunch of cantrips or whatever during your turn mm -hmm. to add mana to it, then you can boast using Bergy's ability. But that also requires you to have Bergy out and also resources and it just sounds too much like magical christmas land that <laughs> i mean it'd be great if you could make it happen i, I mean on paper I it, on, on paper it works right exactly <laughs> exactly and in, then, pra and in then practice no someone doom blades bergy before you get to cast your first spell and then all of a sudden that tibble's trickery out of nowhere it, yeah so splinter I just, twin yeah void winnower just pull out a band card call it a day i just I don't, I don't see it going anywhere past Limited at this point, which is sad, because I, I really think it was a cool idea, and the, the requirement of, of making you attack with the creature in order to activate the boast ability, I think really did set a nice, a nice trade-off. You know, if you wanted to boast, that's and they fine. Named, and they named it perfectly. Well, yeah. Because, I mean, you have to kind of... So, yeah, I'm going to swing with it, and so... You're going to be a little... So, by activating boast, you're pretty much being a little cocky. You're like, I 
you know, it's either I really need this or I feel comfortable enough mm-hmm. having just attacked and possibly open myself up to get this payoff. Right. So, I mean, I mean, kudos to them. They they nailed that name. Oh yeah. And again, you look at Varagoth. I mean, Varagoth may only get one time where you activate boast, but that's but it only costs two to activate it. For three mana, you get a two-three death touch creature, which is solid, a solid card by oh, itself. Yeah. And then, you know, two mana, you can boast it. You can tutor one card. If you get to tutor one card off of Varagoth, worth it. Even if you only get to boast him once, that gives you one tutor to find an answer, or even a win con. Right. Or it gives you that one chance to go through your deck and go, "This is what I need." And you get it. Yeah. So, Varagoth, I can definitely see being one of the more played boasting cards. Just right. because mm-hmm. it's a tutor effect in standard. Yeah. Anything else to, that you want to add in about boast? So, in call time, we got Fortell and we got boast. Yes. Fortell, I like a lot more. You can add in a lot more variety. You keep mm-hmm. your opponent guessing. Whereas with boast, it's right there on the card. It's on the field. Your opponent knows, all right, they have to swing in order for them to get this payoff. Yeah. So easiest way to do it is get rid of the creatures, don't let them attack, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, whereas with Fortel, it's literally, all right, I'm going to set this off to the side. Your turn. You don't know what it is. I do. It could be something good. It could be something bad. It could be something funny. We just won't know until the end of the game. So we've talked about boasts for a little bit. Um, Joe, any good articles you find lately? Oh, we always find some good articles. So for those of you who are interested in some extended reading after class, the article that we have for this time is called Avoiding the Pitfalls of Tilt. It's by Brian DeMars, and it was written in January of 2021. You can find that article at strategy.channelfireball.com. Chris, you ever been upset during a game of Magic? Well, yes, whether it be my fault or someone else's, yes, I've been upset. Everybody has bad games. Everybody gets to that point where they just get extremely frustrated and upset, and part of the frustrating issue with Magic is it has such a high chance of variance in the game. Well, this particular article really talks about recognizing when you're tilted, when it's starting to affect your gameplay, and how it can affect your gameplay in a a variety of ways. And again, the article, it's a nice quick read, uh, but DeMars does a great job with it, and it's, it's enjoyable to read and really makes you sit back and think about, okay, what's really going on? How can I get this under control so that I, even though this game isn't going well, remember you're always going to, the game's going to end. Somebody had to win. Shuffle up. Let's start, you know, play a new game once it's done. The link to that will be in the show notes. All right. And now we'll start the cleanup phase. And uh, we have a question from a listener. And it is, what are your favorite basic cards to add to a commander deck? Just so everyone knows, Commander is a 100-card format where you have a legendary creature as your commander, and the only thing you can have multiples of is uh, basic lands, or if the card says that you can have multiple copies of it. So for me, 
Uh, I don't really have favorite cards per se. I enjoy putting in cards that are either jank, weird, or just old. Uh, for instance, there's an old card, old card called Reconnaissance. Through the wording of it and everything, I have it in my uh, no, uh, I had it in my Nostro deck. Um, in Nostro, Voice of the Crags, uh, you tap him and you get to choose one uh, where X is the number of spells you cast a turn. Um, and you can either scry X, uh, Nostro deals X damage to a target creature, or you gain X life. Well, with Reconnaissance, how that interaction works is you pay zero, you remove a creature from um, combat. But the way that the rules work is as soon as they're declared an attacker, there's technically an attacker for the entire combat phase. So you can activate Reconnaissance for zero, untap him, tap him again, activate his ability, and then activate Reconnaissance again since he's still technically an attacker and just, you know, gain infinite life, scry your entire deck, set up how you want to do it, uh, ping a bunch of creatures. If you have a Brash Taunter out, that's a win con. Right. Um, hey, real quick, I, I do want to point out, the wording on Reconnaissance does differ from the wording on Boast. Earlier when we were talking about Boast and being an attacking creature, mm -hmm. we referenced that you were you know, attacking from you know, the beginning, the declare attacker step until the end of turn, and that does work for Boast. That does not work with the wording on Reconnaissance, so make sure you read your cards, all right? Because what Chris is doing is absolutely right, and it's absolutely legal, but the wording on Reconnaissance is different that doesn't let you go to end of turn. It's only during the combat phase for and Reconnaissance. The reason why I like putting in older cards, just because that's where you find a lot of fun cards that yeah. really have fun with the rules. Uh, Alright, correction, I do have like one favorite, and that's Darkness. Yes. Because Darkness it is, is a black fog effect. Yes. Nobody expects a fog effect in black. And whenever I went to um, Magic Fest back in like 2019, I had a playset. I had four darkness in my deck just because I wanted to make sure that if there was going to be an aggro deck, I was covered. Even though I'm playing, you know, I'm not playing anything that has dedicated, that has multiple fog effects. The fact that I had a darkness and I found that, oh, I absolutely love it. And yeah. I put it in <laughs> as many decks as I can just because nobody expects it. Yeah. So my favorite cards actually happen to be synergy cards. Uh, I like putting cards into commander decks that will work well together. They drive some kind of engine on the battlefield, or they, they help me to achieve the goal of the deck. A great example of this is when I use cards with Extort, which we'll cover that ability in a later episode, in my Belby Corrupted Observer deck. Extort allows me to ping all the opponents at one time whenever I play a black spell and pay a black or white mana. By doing that, I've dealt damage to all of my opponents. I get extra mana off of Belby during my second main phase. So it's little, little cards that work together well. By themselves, they're usually not so great, but they work together well. Now, as far as specific cards, I did have some that, that I thought of. Basic lands. I love to put basic lands into my deck as opposed to a lot of your non-basics. There's just too many times I, I see a lot of non-basic lands getting thrown into decks needlessly. I'm sorry, you don't need Reliquary Tower 
in every deck. You well, only need it in a couple. Another thing with basic lands, that's a good one. Um, fail to find. Yes. Uh, I've There have been a couple of games where I have failed to find because I, real, I didn't realize until after I cast it that, oh, all of my basics are already out. I have nothing left. Exactly. In essence, all I got was a fail to find. I, shuffle the library. <laughs> I got a whiff and a shuffle. That's yeah. it. So I, I really advocate basic lands and only non-basics when you have an absolute need and necessity for them. Uh, some of the other... I, I ended up actually picking a lot of staples, um, and several of them have to do with card draw. I just find myself putting them in decks pretty frequently. Uh, Sylvan Library, you can't go wrong with this green enchantment that allows you to look at three cards off your library and potentially draw more if you pay life. <laughs> Eight life. It doesn't matter. It's extra card advantage. Uh, Mystic Remora, which allows you to draw cards whenever your opponents play non-creature spells. Phyrexian Arena, which just lets you draw an extra card and you lose a life. And then this one isn't in the card draw necessarily category, but Smothering Tithe allows me to allows you get treasure tokens. I know that, yes, some of my favorite cards are staples, but they're staples for that reason. I only own a, one copy of each of them because they they also aren't cheap, but they're solid cards that I just anytime I start to look at fixing to make sure things are going to work correctly with the deck, I find myself going back to those, you know, and you just you can't go wrong. Chris, if our listeners have a question and they'd like to get in touch with us, how can they do that? All right, so there are two ways as of right now to get a hold of us. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you have ideas that you want to run past us, um, you can email us at mtgunderthehood at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mtgunderthehood. Um, let us know how we're doing. Let us know what decks you're building. Uh, any fun interactions or jank combos, send them our way. Um, and with that... We'll bring the episode to a close. Thank you for listening to Magic the Gathering Under the Hood. I'm Chris. And I'm Joe. We look forward to delving deeper under the hood with you in our next episode. Stay tuned.